and welcome to the Fins Up Podcast. I'm this week's host, at Southern Dan, and this week I'm joined, well, as every week, I'm joined by the founder and current president of the At Fossey 7 fan club, the artist formerly known as Mortz. Terry, how you going, mate? You staying safe? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I am safe. Thanks for asking. It was a, a little bit uh, shaky last night. We got the, um, the the knock on the door, you know, to, to be pre- prepared to evacuate, but... Uh, about half an hour later, we got that knock that said, no, you guys are all good. It, it went the other way to the National Park, but, you know, you boys were, were really nice and really supportive. So, yeah, it was nice. It was good. I wanted to hear. So, um, before before we get into it, yeah. um, how's your week been, Terry? Anything exciting happened? Um, Liverpool beat Man City. Uh, that all, happened. That, that's always good. We got a, We got a fellow red on our podcast with us tonight. Uh, do Oklahoma keep losing, which is good. I want that draft pick. Um, apart from that, yeah, every, no, every, everything is just business as usual for me, mate. Been a That's bit sick. But Kieran and I have been a bit sick. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it. We had we had the runs this week, and we let everyone on Twitter know about it. Yeah, I know. It's hard. It's hard. I get the notifications, mate, and yeah. the photos from Bells. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's bring our special guest. Uh, I'm going to say all the way across the ditch. You might be down the road for all night. Yeah. All I know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll refer to him tonight as Anton. Our friend Anton. How's it going, mate? I'm going very well, fellas. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Very, very good, thanks. Uh, Before we get into your season, yeah. go on, Terry. No, no, I was just, I was just going to say, where do you actually reside from, Anton? Uh, so I'm I'm originally from Auckland, yep. uh, and I moved at, to Sydney in 07, mm-hmm. and I've been here ever since. So I'm uh, I'm ringing you from the beach up by Coogee. So uh, uh, living in the eastern suburbs, but undercover brother, if you if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> mo- mo- most of the Kiwis and Poms flock out that way anyway. So, mate, that's it. That's it. All right, what do you got for us, Dan? Do. All right, let, let's go straight to the hard hitting questions, mate. Being a Sharks podcast, it had to be the first question. Sean Johnson, were you for him leaving, and how did you go without him, mate? So this was this is obviously one of like the big things uh, as a as a Warriors fan, you know, to kind of uh, hear the news when he was away with the Test team that uh, there were issues because he was, he still had a year to go on his contract. Don't forget, he had a, he had a million dollar contract with the Warriors, and uh, everyone was expecting him to be there for. For this this season, you know, um, it's a tough one because you know I think uh, his his manager and and everything wanted to extend his contract. You're seeing that with Latrell now; he's still got a year to play, but they want to extend it. They want to see if they can get more money. But um, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Sean. I don't. Uh, there's there's varied accounts of exactly how it went down. Um, I did actually catch up with him a couple of weeks ago at, at some something he was hosting down in Circular Key. I, Sort of bumped into him and asked him sort of directly about it, and he was gutted about how it went down. He still, he still harbors, um, you know, kind of uh, no ill feeling towards the club. I don't think, but he regrets the way it went down. And um, I think when you when you play all your junior footy for a club and they tell you they're going to build your their whole club around you and base their whole roster around your style of play, uh, and then all of a sudden they say, "Hey, listen, you're not worth the money you're getting paid. We're not paying you that. So if you want to have a look on the open market, go for it." Uh, you know, I think it was a bit of a shock to him, shock to the ego, and um, a lot of people don't understand as well. Living in Australia, that um, you know, the Warriors have a have a very special kind of place in the the media landscape in New Zealand. When they're flying, they everybody jumps on board and goes, "Yeah, we're we're always fans." But when they're losing, which happens a lot, they absolutely rip in. They really give it to them, and he was the face of that for a long, long time. So I think you know what he just he just had enough. Someone else was willing to pay the money, and he he just jumped. And I don't I don't personally blame him. Um, I think he's you know he's got an opportunity now to kind of you know just shake off all of that stuff, shake off all the um, all the drama, and and have a good crack at the sharks. Um, it was interesting following him this season, you know, to kind of see how he was going to go. Uh, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he was he he set the world on fire. I don't I don't know how you boys saw it, but um, you know he was probably consistent with. The old SJ that we knew at the Warriors had, had flashes of brilliance and then a little bit quiet and patches. Yeah. Um, I, just before we go and, and with our expectations or what, what we had from Sean, I remember when he signed 
the day he signed with Cronulla, he did all his media commitments and then he did a local radio interview and he said almost similar to what you said was he had the options when he was younger to go and play rugby union, but they kept him in league. He had, you know, options to, you know, to go to the, the Auckland Blues. He had options to go to the Crusaders who were killing it. Um, but he stuck loyal to rugby league and he became the face, you know, got got into the, the grand final in his, was it his rookie year or his second year? Um, yeah, first year. And then he said, I remember him saying on the radio, imagine being at a club where even when you don't play, you're blamed for a loss. And then if you don't play and win, they're like, well, they can win without you. But then when you come back and they win or they lose, it's still all the pressure's on your shoulders. And I don't think that situation changed for him at Cronulla because he became our million-dollar marquee player. And when we went on a little bit of a rut during the year and he put in a stinker of a performance and then got injured... People were like, well, it, maybe it wasn't the environment. Maybe it's just Sean Johnson. But the games that he did play for us were, were you know, he did put in some really good performances and he, he torched some teams and you were kind of hoping that it was, you know, he was going to build on it. But he always looked like he had a niggle and then he was a bit inconsistent. But on, uh, on the Sharks Forever forum fan vote, he did get our player of the year and I think he finished second in the online voting, or no, third behind Josh Dugan. So... He had an okay year, um, but no one from Cronulla really set the world on fire. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny one, man. Like, I think, you know, the reason he's held to such high account is because you've seen him actually do things that no one else can do. Yeah. You know, that, that, you know I, I think of that, that moment uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the Four Nations in the UK when he, he won it at, you know, at the death there was a there was a game against the Sharkies, I think, the year before, where he stole it right at the last minute yeah. as well. Um, you know, there's just things like there's there's moments where you kind of look at it and you kind of you know you know you're out of your seat and you're clapping type thing. He's just one of those types of guys. So when he's he's not getting involved in the game and you're you're you, you know your side's behind it, just, like drives you mental. But you know he's he's like he's like any player. He can have an off game, and um, I don't know. It's not like sort of uh, when you're a forward and you know your job's really simple. You put your head down and you do the same thing week in week out. He plays what he sees, and he's got instincts. And sometimes when it's on, he'll go for it. And sometimes it's the wrong option. And um, you know, for better or for worse, I think he's he's on the better side of that much more often than not. But he's, I think, he's held to account much more much more harshly because of the ability that he's got. You know, and uh, maybe it's a little unfair, but you know, that's. I mean, when you're getting paid a million dollars a season, you know, the the expectation's going to be there. Yeah. He did end the Tigers' season, though, so money well spent for me. Yeah. Uh, b- before we move on from Sean Johnson as well, he did an interview just before he went away with the New Zealand team, and they asked him how he settled in Australia, and he said that he'll be more settled next year because his wife will actually be in Australia. I think she was playing netball for for one of the Kiwi teams this year, um, and she's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. she's just signed with uh, with Sydney. So uh, I'm not sure if she's signed with Greater Sydney or the Swifts, but um, he said that he'll be more settled now that she's here because his routine was all thrown out, probably because she wasn't there to do everything for him. Well, I mean, he's substituting her for Andrew for Peter, so I know if he's unsettled, I know why. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah from the little spoon to the big spoon again. Yeah. Just That's before right. we jump into the season again, uh, in February, you guys extended your coach, Stephen Kearney's contract to the end of 2022. Uh-huh. Almost rushed into it. What do you guys make of that? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a constant question as well. You know, when your team is, uh, you know, is, uh, like the Warriors and you've got fans that are so, so desperate for success and they've been hanging in there during some pretty tough times, uh, signing signing high-quality players or coaches is always really difficult for us. Um, not a lot of Australians at the top of their game want to cross the ditch. They've got families, they've got media opportunities, they've got all that sort of stuff going on. I think the difference with Steve Kearney is um, he's a foundation Warriors player. He, you know, he was in the 1995 side that ran on and played in the first year. And I think um, a lot of people uh, who weren't around and remember those sort of times, like that was a massive deal in New Zealand when um, when the Warriors came onto the scene. Like I had to be a Panthers fan before that, so um, you know it was kind of cool. So we actually finally had our own team in the in the NRL, man. You know, and he was he was part of that and. You know, he was there for a lot of that success, and then uh, and then after that, he 
he went on and played for the Storm, as we know. He did some some stuff in the Super League, and he coached under Bellamy, he, uh, and then under Bennett. So he's seen really good systems. Um, and anyone who knows who knows Steve knows that he's a massive competitor, and he holds people to account pretty hard. There's a documentary actually where where they talked to Dean Bell, who was the captain of the the Warriors in '95, and he said he had to room with Steve Kearney. And he said um, he had information from the nutritionist about hydrating, and apparently his alarm, alarm would go off every two hours so that he could hydrate. And he said he was just an absolute nightmare to room with because he was so his attention to detail was like that annoying. So um, if you take that into the coaching side of things, I think uh, those who are in the club, the players and the coaches and stuff, hold him in very high regard. I mean, the record is 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 not there as we know. He had a, a rough time at Parramatta. Uh, you know, but everyone who was with Parramatta at that time had a rough time. Um, so Ricky Stewart, when he was coaching Parramatta, and he did pretty good last year. So, uh, sorry, this year. Um, so look, you know, I mean, the club obviously have a lot of faith in him. Having said that, um, you know, they there are rumours going around that you know a contract is just a contract um, until the wheels fall off. You know, so you know there there are rumours that. Um, you know that there are a few things going on over there in terms of like um, thinking about what the contingency plan might be early on uh, if if things were to change. We know Nathan Brown's going over there. He's just been signed this week as a guest coach uh, to work with the three young hookers that we've got. Um, so that would be Nate Roach, um, Wade Egan, and Carl Lawton. Um, it's, it's a bit of like a problematic position for us. So one of those guys has got to stand up for us this year and make that position their own. And, uh, you know, they're getting Nathan Brown in, but, uh, you know, a few people raised an eyebrow because he is actually a first-grade coach. So having him sniffing around the traps uh, kind of uh, smells of uh, maybe maybe they're just keeping someone close, you know. I wouldn't call Nathan Brown a first-grade coach. Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you got anything before we dive into the season, Terry? No, I had I had the, the, the simple question was Stephen Kearney, is he the right coach? Look, I the, Stephen Kearney is heard is held in high regard in rugby league circles and that's why he was so sought after Parramatta went after him. And I think he's just been in a system at Parramatta that didn't suit him and then he's gone to the Warriors and as you said, it's hard to attract that talent and it's hard to, uh, from what I'm told in New Zealand, it's really hard to keep a good talented player because they'll just go to the All Blacks. So, I think I think you'll get it. But the other thing as well with a coach is it's not like other sports. You know, if you sack a player in rugby league, their money goes to your salary cap. But if you sack a coach, it doesn't. And if they want to get rid of him, they will. But I think there's a plan there for the Warriors, and I I, I think they'll turn it around. There's there's too much talent in that squad not to turn it around. So. Where, where are we going, Dan? All right, round one, you guys open with an absolute pounding of the dogs, 40 to 6. What were you thinking after round one? Well, I actually, I actually didn't see this one coming. Uh, it was, you know, we, we were still fresh off the news that uh, we weren't going to have Sean Johnson. Uh, you know, we had Adam Blair in the, in the mix. We had, like, we were short props. We just didn't sign the talent we thought we were going to get. Uh, you know, over the off-season, we didn't really sign enough uh, I thought the year before we were a prop short, and then after Gabay left, uh, we got Lisa Namal, which was really cool. Um, but you know, most most of his career has been coming off the bench, um, so my expectations were, you know, let's see how we go. Basically, I didn't really have have a lot of expectation at all, um, you know. But this was a really cool one for Kieran in particular because he was one of these guys that we signed. You know, once once the Johnson mess happened, we went scrambling for scrambling for depth, you know, and um, so we made this signing, he came over from the Panthers, and he he had an opportunity to impress, and mate, he just took it with both hands, I thought he was outstanding in that game, yeah. um, I can't remember how many points he scored himself, but it was pretty impressive, he scored about half of them, I think. Yeah, cause I, I remember when, um, just before round one, there was the story broke that you guys were trying to sign Dylan Brown from Parramatta, um, but they wouldn't release him, so... But just going on round one, 40 to six, you're top of the league. Um, where did it go wrong? Well, what happened? Yeah, oh, look, there's, there's, there's a long range of things. As I mentioned before, there's, there was a roster issue. So um, I, think, I think the dogs were bad as well. Let's, let's, let's just put that out there. I don't, I don't think they posed 
Uh, I think we may have got a false sense of what, where our level was at after that game. Um, I don't think we can underestimate how much the retirement of Mannering the year before uh, impacted the squad, in particular the forward pack. There's a lot of experience just there in, in that one guy alone. He was the captain for many years, captain of the Kiwis. Uh, and like the mana he had in that team was, was pretty was pretty high. So, um, you know, there was that, the loss of Sean Johnson. And so I think, you know, for me, there was, uh, you know, a hooker crisis as well. Uh, Isaac Luke, Luke didn't seem to uh, manage to stay on the field for as, as long as we really wanted him to. Um and then there was there was just this other thing as well with the experienced players that we really needed to stand up and the big games just weren't able to do it often enough. Um, you know, Adam Blair is like a continual headache for fans. He's this guy who, you know, I don't know if you guys saw the nines, but he was all of a sudden holding the ball like a tennis ball, offloading like a machine and doing all this stuff. I was like, I didn't see you do that once. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there were games where he had three hit-ups and like, you know, 15 tackles and played 80 minutes. And you're just sitting there going like... Surely there's someone else we can give a crack. You know, yeah. surely we can do something else. Yeah, he's, um, he's the laziest best forward I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, you guys ended the season with a win over Canberra. So you started yeah. on you ended on fire. Boy, like, like Terry, Terry was, you know, was setting Jess before what went wrong. But you guys were capable. You almost beat the Storm. You drew with Brisbane. You flew to win in Auckland over our blokes, and then, <laughs> then you come out and get smacked the week the week uh, later. Like it's has got to be frustrating. You're going to pick that one up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I mean, this. I mean, this is the thing. Like, like especially earlier in the season when we had everything to play for. Uh, the year before, when we made the finals, there were a number of close games where you know we we managed to walk away with the wins in those close ones and. There were times when, when we really, really needed those wins. That win over Melbourne in particular was pretty soul-destroying because um, our attack often lacked the flair and the class to, to really rip teams open and win by a lot of points. Like We didn't see us really pull away very many times apart from the Bulldogs game. Um, you know, But we managed to grind out and stay in the contest and, and that was one of those ones where, you know, if we could have got that one, I think it would have really raised the spirits of a lot of those young players. But, you know, losing, and especially losing in the way that we did as well, with the Bromwich penalty right in front of the sticks for the hold down, and Annesley came out the week after and said they got it wrong and stuff. You know, stuff like that's hard to swallow. And um, I think for the players as well, you know, it, it kind of, it becomes hard to pick yourself up after those 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 sorts of losses. And, um, you know, especially when you know it's a team like Melbourne, in Melbourne, who we kind of always see as like the benchmark, I think, in a lot of ways. So to go there and be able to mix it with them is, is really encouraging, you know. And it was the same with the Raiders game. You know, that one was it was actually a really good game to watch, you know. And even in like the last play of the game when we had it won, they turned the ball over and they threw it wide and they just about scored. And you're thinking, oh, God, not again. And that's that's just what, what being a Warriors fan is, man. It's like you're never you're never safe. You're never comfortable. You're never feeling like, oh, that's it. We've got it done here. It's a... Uh, it's just one of those teams, man. It's uh, it's fun, but it's um, you know, it, it kind of ages you about five, five, ten years faster than every everybody else. Yeah. Well, you, you you talk about like your, your starts to the season are really important, and I can't remember who tweeted this out, but it, week one you lost forty to six, week two you lost thirty four six to the Tigers, which is embarrassing. Week three you lost forty six twelve to Manly, and week four you won twenty six ten. And you set a record with that four that four week stretch. You became the first team in the competition since nineteen ninety nine, I think it said, to have won two games and lost two games by thirteen plus in your opening month. So I think that kind of set the tone on on your season. Yes, I mean that's that's a that's quite an interesting stat, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's funny if you look at that last game and go, "Wow, you know." The, you know the Warriors are pretty capable. We mixed it with the uh, with the grand finalists, and we managed to beat them on their home soil with the Viking clap and the big horn and all that shit going on. Yeah. Um, in the last three games of the season, we conceded 115 points. Yeah. So we can't be that bloody crash hot, you know. Like there's, you know, the last couple of games before that was like absolutely bloody diabolical. So you know, the, I, I think by that stage, after around. 21 I think it was just the wheels fell off you know we we, we ran out of hookers 
we had to go for Chaz Tavanga and um, at hooker, and when you, and when he's playing hooker, it's a uh, it's kind of panic stations, I reckon. He's just he's just not the guy you want filling in at dummy half. It's uh, yeah, I, I think I think for us moving forward, that's a position we really got to get right. Like we you know we've we've kind of struggled there since Nathan Friend left. Um, Isaac Luke has done a good job in parts. He's, he's played quite well in, in certain games, and um, yeah, it's a tricky one. If Nickarima just realised that he was a hooker, I think we might be all right. But I don't think he wants to. <laughs> Actually, that that's where I want to go next. Two part question: Cody Nickarima, what would you make of the signing, and would you swap him for Chad Townsend? <laughs> um. That's, that's, a, that's a tricky one, dude. Like, I, I, I remember at the time, like, um, when we signed him, I think it was for about 500k or something like that, you know, and there were a lot of people saying, um, oh, this is rubbish, we let go, you know, Sean Johnson and we get and we get the, uh, I guess, like the cut price version from, from, from the Kiwis team and uh, you kind of go, well... Sean Johnson's not available, mate. Like yeah. we've got, you know, we've got we've got no no half half back. We've got uh, a veteran who's basically like he, he hasn't had a line break in about three years. Um, where where and, and and actually this is the other thing that I'm going to get to as well on Blake Green is where he's looked really classy is when he's playing along a dominant half. When he's playing along a Cronk side a Cronk or a Cherry Evans or a Sean Johnson. He plays this role that's kind of like he just he kind of sits out the back and does his thing, you know. But um, I think we we really needed to find that player who had who had the speed in the in the line there to take the line on and and create chances. Uh, I suppose by skipping to the outside and putting people through gaps and stuff like that. And uh, in the test the previous year, Nicarima actually looked really good. He he played he played out of his skin, and I, I thought those were the best I'd, I'd actually seen him play when he was a starting half. Um, and he made it very clear that he he didn't want to be utility at the Broncos. He wanted to lock down that five eight position, and that that he want he wanted that to be his thing. And um, you know, I think for the Warriors at the time, you know, we're kind of worried that these rookies ain't going to cut it. You know, like you said, we fell apart to the you know West Tigers in the the second week for Kieran, and that forced us to change things up and switch it to Harris Tavita, and we're kind of throwing the potato around and see who's going to jump up and say, this is my position. And, you know, no one was really doing it at that stage. So I think it was a smart signing in terms of the fact that if it didn't work, you've got a really good utility on your hands. He's kind of reminds me a little bit of a Lance Ohio from, from yeah. previous years, you know. Um, and I think he's got he's got the potential to develop into a very handy half, whether he will or not, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I didn't mind the signing. I thought... You know, it had it had only upside at the time. Would you swap him for Chad yeah, Townsend Chad. though? <laughs> nah, nah. I like Chad. I like Chad Townsend, but I think he's he's one of these guys who's who's very structured. And I think um, I swap him for Blake Green. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Deal. <laughs> Deal. I think. I think. I think. I think that's the kind of um, he. You know, he's he's that type of player. You know, I think he like. like uh, Later in his career, he's developed. A, uh, he's become a lot more of a complete player. But we've had him at the Warriors before, and I think you know he he kind of feels very similar to Green in that he's he's quite a measured player, and you know he does the simple things well. But uh, whether he's going to win you a lot of tight games or you know um, find that real miracle play or not, I don't know. But um, we're not we're certainly not getting that from Blake Green. So. I just, yeah. I just want to talk about the Warriors recruitment because there were times when you guys were making the finals, you had it right, and you were signing Sharks legends, um, guys like John yeah, O'Reilly, John O'Reilly, <laughs> Blake Ashford, Jeff Robson, all the all the good players that you nicked from us. Um, no, talk to us about talk to us about the recruitment. <laughs> like you, you mentioned the struggles that you have, and it seems like the, your retention as well because there's some good kids slipping out of the the system and making their way over to. Australia, um, is is there any strategies in place? Is what's what's that guy? Oh, I can't think of his name. Is Mark Tukey involved in your recruitment anymore, or was he ever involved? Uh, no, I'm not too sure. Um, we uh, look. I think um, the recruitment thing is kind of interesting because we're we're kind of in a, in a unique position um, in terms of uh, a lot of players not wanting to go there. Um, I think the blueprint for us is kind of what the Raiders have been doing. Uh, you know, they've got a strategy of like, hey, no one wants to come and live in Canberra. Uh, so unless you're from a coal mining town in the north of England. Uh, so 
why don't we why don't we focus on on those blokes and create a culture where they they feel like this is home um but yeah recruitment for us is always really tricky like we try and get that mix of like um you know real hot australian players who are willing to have a crack probably for overs we've got to throw a bit more money at them to get them uh we've always had the luxury of uh, a lot of good young players coming through our system which is really good uh you know but we can't keep all of them and we can't develop all of them either so you know we've lost last year we lost nickel clock stat um he, he's doing pretty well at the at the roosters he's one of, one of the juniors that got away so, uh, so is Payne Haas he was in our system for a while that not a lot of people know that but as a 16 year old he came through our system um you know there's a, a whole bunch of people that have passed through through the doors and you can't keep the ball um near Corey from the eels yeah. um solo Akata, you know uh, you know but at the end of the day you just got to pick and stick with who you really want to develop and um you know so they'll kind of single out who they really really want to keep and then the rest it's like you know just find any way you can of getting this other talent to come and the strategy over the last couple of years which has been working fairly well is to bring some of the kiwis home um it worked for tohu harris it worked for roger two of us uh i don't christ i don't know where we'd be without rts um he's he's just the backbone of that time of that side and uh you know um if his his signing was probably the biggest thing to happen in the last 10 years for sure um and when you sign a guy like that it has an effect on your future recruitment it can help to bring other players over and i think it has helped um especially with a lot of the the outside backs and things as well but um yeah it's funny you mentioned jared beale and blake ashford um we were going for ben pomeroy but he was out of our price range (laughs) (laughs) you guys are linked with kate well too for some ridiculous amount what do you reckon about that uh, yeah, look, man, we need forwards. That's that's the that's the long and the short of it, man. Like I think um, we're we're very short up front. Um, as I was saying, after Gave left, we've got Ignatius Parsi. He's starting up front next to Listen Amal, and then we've got um, I am the fan, uh, I am the 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 uh, founding member of the Bunty Appreciation Society as well. So I'm going to throw his name in the hat as someone we'll probably want to keep. Um, you know, but aside from that, you know, it's you know we don't have we don't have a whole lot up front to scare a pack. You know, everybody's got that enforcer, uh, but we just don't really have one. And so we've really been looking to try and find someone. And I know, I know that um, in the last off season they were they were really in the market in Sydney and up and they went up to Brisbane as well. And they were just opening the checkbook for middle forwards. They just they were really really trying to get anybody to come over who was fitting that mould of aggressive, strong, you know, intimidating and just no bites whatsoever. So um, in terms of Capewell, um, I think he offers something. Last season, we, we saw a massive drop-off in the, the I suppose, attacking potency of our edges. So the year before, we, we had the emergence of young Isaiah Papali'i, who, uh, who was doing guy. pretty well. Uh, mate, he's 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 good, man. He, but he had a he had a bit of a um, second year syndrome, I think, this year. He put the offload away and just wasn't that effective in attack. And our right side went to shit. You know how the year before it was uh, Fusitua, Hiku, and um, and also Harris. Harris was injured for a lot of the season. We lost Sean Johnson, um, and we also switched sides with Hiku as well. So I don't know why we swapped him to Beal, but. Um, uh, Fussy Tour was the, the NRL's leading try scorer the year before, and Momalo just about won it the year after. So Hiku must be, Hiku's distribution is pretty good, but um, we're really just lacking that attacking potency. And I think um, you know for Capewell in particular, I think he kind of offers a bit of that. But um, yeah, there was news about that, but then it went quiet. So my suspicion is that they're going all in for David Fafita, and if that doesn't pay off, then I think they'll throw the book at Capewell to get him onto the edge but um yeah there's a there's a few things going on in, in terms of recruitment in that regard but you know the forwards are, is certainly the focus i think yeah. um you know but whether it pays off or whether we we're forced to develop local juniors uh remains to be seen yeah so it's like the the nba and you can link the nba and, and small market teams like when it, when a big name player comes off contract in the NBA and the teams get a meeting with him, the, the the small towns don't really get 
that opportunity. And you talk about you need a, a middle player, and last year you opened up the checkbook. Well, David Clemmer, who's just about the best prop in the game, was off contract. I guarantee you probably had a conversation with him, and you didn't get anywhere near the table. That's got to be frustrating. Yeah, and that's and that's just the nature of it. He has two young daughters, I understand, um, and he's he's pretty set on staying in Sydney. Um, with with um, I got the chance to interview him uh, a little while ago through through work a couple of years ago, and he's he's actually a really nice, like a lovely bloke and a and a real family man. Yeah. I just got the sense that I don't see that dude leaving Sydney, you know, and that's so often the case. And you know, I get it, like. You're not just moving your family, but you're moving away from your support network. It's you know, as a footballer, you're away from home quite a lot, so it puts a lot of pressure on, um, you know, on your on, on your wife looking after your kids in a new country. So, you know, you've got to really want to do that. You've got to really want to make that move. And you know, the time that's been successful for us are when when we get a player who's looking for a swan song like a Steve Price or um, or or like a Kevin Campion. Or we get someone who's got something to prove, like a James Maloney, who, you know, he, he wasn't getting a look in at the Eels or at the Roosters, and we were like, you know what, uh, why don't you come over here, we can promise you first grade, and, you know, that was their ticket, you know, to actually becoming uh, a proper starting NRL half, and, you know, the rest is history with Maloney, I suppose, but... Um, you know that's that's often been the case with us. You either like throw big money at someone who's who's kind of who has the class, but no, they won't get the money or the length of a deal anywhere else. That's how we got Blake Green was because we offered him such a long deal and no one else would. Um, so, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not quite sure how you solve the recruitment dilemma, but yeah. uh, um, all you can do is try. And you know the. I suppose the strategies that they're that they're using um, when they work, they work really well. But you know, we got a lot of money to spend, that's for sure. Um, so, so surely someone's looking for a payout. Yeah. Before we jump into Terry's five names, which we've already mentioned about four of them, um, round round twenty three, forty two sixteen loss to the Mighty Sharks in the sunshine of the Shire. Uh, Terry, go to you first. What are you? What were your thoughts on the game? I, I thought it was one of our best of the year. <laughs> so yeah, they, they got to the point in the season where we needed to get our, our for and against up and, and win and, yeah, win and win well. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what, you just before before we jump in, what was your, in, in your opinion, what was your best win of the season? Well, I actually made a note of this. Uh, I reckon... I reckon the best. I actually, I actually have a few favourite games, right? So we've mentioned the Bulldogs game, and that was just because it was the first one I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the one point went over the Sharkies in Wellington because one, we never win in Wellington, and yeah. two, it was Sean Johnson's homecoming game. But um, you know, I thought Nakarima was outstanding for us in that game, uh, and so was Blake Green. They both took the line on. They both scored a couple of really good individual tries, um, and a field goal for Blake Green. I couldn't, I yeah. couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, the other one was the Magic Round match. That was um, against the Dragons. I was actually at that game. So that was a bit of a... Um, I didn't actually get to many Warriors games last year because there, there was hardly any in Sydney. But um, the Magic Round was just a bit hard to resist. I couldn't uh, wait to get up there with the Bundy Appreciation Society and uh, represent. Um, but, yeah, that was a really tight game. It was really exciting. There was lots of good tries. Hiku, Hiku was great. Momalo, he's, he, um, he had an outstanding game. Um, but yeah, that was a really good one to watch because we were actually sitting right up in the bleachers in the cheap seats, and then it was quite it was quite late on the Saturday, I think it was, and um, we were looking down at the bench, and I was like, "There's some seats right behind where the players are, are sitting there that no one's in. I reckon we go sneak down at halftime and see if we can get in there." So we actually went down, and just no one stopped us, and we walked basically straight into the members area and were sitting with all of the players' families and friends and stuff. <laughs> so. Uh, so we actually had a great night because it was free booze down there as well. Oh, um, good. So, so you know, what was that? He cleaved his way in. He's yeah. the um, he's the king of sneaking into places he shouldn't be. Yeah. I, I oh, had for for best wins for you. I I, I actually did have the the nineteen eighteen uh, sharks win just because you came back. You were twelve four down, then eighteen ten down, and got the win. I had Penrith away. You won that game thirty to ten. 
and you beat Manly twenty four sixteen. Um so there were the there were the wins that I had for you. Let's talk about the losses. What was the worst loss of the year for you? Look, I've mentioned the um I'm I'm not gonna get into those massive forty point ones at the back end of the season. They're, I mean those ones are are pretty demoralising, but I think at that stage, um, you know, we weren't making the finals, the wheels had fallen off completely. We have injuries all over the damn shop and you know, I was kind of expecting us to get completely towered up by the Roosters in particular. But, you know, for, for me, the worst games were the really close ones, as I mentioned before. So the Melbourne one was a real sort of kick in the teeth. And uh, our first our first match going to Bank West where we played the Eels, and there was that forward pass called off that Roger Turvass, uh Sheck line break. And it, I think every Warriors fan was chucking the remote control around. And, you know, it was a tough one to swallow. You know, you kind of go... Um, whether you agree with the decision or not, it's you know what it would have meant at the time. We were in contention for the top eight at that at that point, and um, it's it's just so harsh to see the see the two points slip away from right before your eyes, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think those are the two. For, for me, those are the ones that hurt. Is when you when you've got something to play for, you're playing against a, a side in the top eight that at their home ground, so Melbourne and Bank West, every chance to win. And it slips away through something that you kind of go, well, that's it's not our fault. We put ourselves in a position to win, and it just wasn't to be. You know, that's for me, that's the hardest one to take. But performance-wise, for sure, the back end was absolutely diabolical. Apart from that, that Raiders game right at the end there. That, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, anytime you're giving up over a hundred points over three games, that's you, you know, you need to kind of assess that. I reckon. Yeah. All right. So we have got the five names for you. We've covered one off. Already, uh, Adam Blair, waste of time, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, okay. The next one, we, we, we were going to work your way down the spine, but we did talk about Cody Nicarima. So, Isaac Luke, he's gone to the Dragons. Who's going to fill his shoes? So, this is the big tussle, right? This is this is all between Wade Egan, uh, Lawton, and... Um, Oh shit! Drawing a blank straight away. Here's the other the young kid, uh, Roach. Roach. Yeah. yeah. Roach, yeah. So so Roach and Lawton are both coming off um, uh, surgeries. Yeah. Roach is he's like he's a bit of a Josh Dugan type character where he just seems to look at the ball and he falls to pieces. You know those <laughs> little horses with the sprints in them that you yeah. squash down and they collapse. He's a bit like that. So um, it's kind of it's kind of tough because um, I think for the longest time he's been the guy that everyone is like he is the future number nine of the Warriors and probably the Kiwis test team. You know, he is going to be the guy and he can't string matches together for, for love nor money. So, um, look, I think if he stays fit, I think it's Roach's position to lose. I think it's his, his starting spot to lose. But, you know, Egan is a guy who's come over with a lot of raps on him. He's still young, but, um, you know, Australian schoolboy, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, he's not coming over here to play Reggie's. I think he's yeah. he's coming over to make that position his own and do a bit of a James Maloney. Yeah, he, so he, he, was, he was actually hand-picked by Stephen Kearney. He, had the, he could have got Danny Levi. He could have got uh, a whole heap of players, and Kearney actually went to him and said, can you break your contract from Penrith? So uh, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, Blake Green, is he the number seven going forward, or should you bank your future on... Uh, that Chanel Harris and Nicarima. Look, he's he's not he's he's not he's not the number seven going forward in terms of like has he got a future at the club? Um, he's the most experienced half that we have anywhere near the club by a long shot. So, um, so he's going to start there and he's going to stay there if he's fit. Um, you know, if he gets injured, I think that might be an interesting little proposition. Because Harris Tavita has shown, I think, in the last year, um, for a rookie coming into it who's still in a set of braces, for God's sake, he's the hits he was putting on really big dudes coming out of the line and really putting good shots on and stuff. Usually, you don't see that from young halves. Usually, you know, they have people protecting them and all that sort of stuff. But he's, he's not afraid to to really, really get stuck in. His kicking game was good. Um, that's the other thing with Blake Green. I don't know what happened to his kicking game over the, over the last. The last half of the season, but he, you know, he was giving away, uh, you know, repeat sets and, um, you know, out on the full stuff or just just really crappy last play options. So, I would I would love to see Harris to step up and be next in the Karima, but I, it's just not going to happen. Right. Uh, yeah. 
We were going to talk about Cody Nikarima, but we already spoke about him in depth. Let's go David Fusatua. What, 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 yeah. What's got to happen with him next year? Well, Fusatua, he's just one of these guys that's just like an insane finisher. He's, he's like, I think he's about six foot, six foot five, six foot six. Yeah. Um, he's got very silky skills as well. We've seen him play centre a couple of times and he gets his arms through the line and can do really good things. He just wasn't getting any... Um, any of the ball he needed to last year. He, he played next to Beal for a lot of the time, who just seemed to refuse to pass it to him in, like, in good positions. Um, we didn't see hardly any high balls go to him, which seems very strange to me. Uh, Sean Johnson would often, when he had nothing on, would just put it up to one of the wingers, and uh, you know they might do a back-back, or they may take it down themselves. But um, this year, it was all the Mamala show. That you know he was. He was the guy we threw it to, and we needed to get out about twenty. And um, you know, he 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 led the competition this year for post contact meters, which was a pretty cool achievement. But you know, I think it's one of those things that when you're out of ideas, just chuck it to your big winger type thing. But um, this year it was Momalo, but last year it was uh, it was Fusitua. Um I think a lot of people were sort of complaining that he wasn't getting the ball that he needed to get all year, and uh, it looked like he wasn't that involved. But um, I don't think he's completely to blame for that. He's, a, he's certainly a class player, and I'd be gutted if we lost him. Okay. And the last player, we've got to talk about him. He's He was the best player in the world last year. Roger Tuovasashek, what does he mean to the Warriors? Mate, he's everything. He's he's um, he's the guy who never puts his head down when we're losing. Uh, that's, that's, that's a thing that we've seen over previous years when things just aren't going our way and we don't get the rub of the green or whatever there's there's sometimes a tendency for everybody to tuck their tails down but like he's just not that type of guy he's you know everybody around the club says he's one of the first guys to be there when you know when the trainings are happening he's he's very vocal for a young player um still in his early 20s i think he's 23 24 and he's he's extremely vocal he's intelligent he's articulate um and he is just hungry for that ball. And um, I think he's the speed in the line that um, is actually troubling defences. You know, he comes in and throws cutout balls and all that sort of stuff. And without him, mate, I don't I don't really know where we'd be. We we didn't have many games without him this season. I think Hiku filled in for him a couple of times at fullback. But um, it was, you know, he's a handy guy to have back there. But, you know, just his, just his footwork and um, the amount of attention that he attracts... Um, He's one of those guys that I think other players look at and they want to follow. They they kind of they kind of fall in behind him, and he you know after he does something on the field that you know blows people away, I think you know that lifts that lifts the entire team. So, mate, if we lost him, I think it's it's almost like you'd need to just rip out a clean sheet of paper and just figure out what the plan's going to be because he he is he's kind of like fifty percent of that spine at the moment. He's not he's not one out of four. He's I think he's he's half of it the way he plays. Beauty. All right, we got some questions from Twitter, which is a bit of a uh, bit of a difference. Uh, so there's three of them here for you. Uh, Dave yeah. asked, "What sauce do you have on your kebab?" A throwback to last week. Uh, I go for the garlic yogurt and the hot chili. Yes, none of the nice. sweet, none of the sweet chili business. I don't know what's going on up there. Good <laughs> uh, RCB asked, "Do Kiwis really call shopping trolleys shopping trundlers?" Um, Oh, far out. Now, if you go to one of those, like, massive supermarkets, the big wholesale ones, they've got, like, underneath the trolley, they've got a little shelf that's got a spring in it. That's that's what a trundler is. In terms of a shopping trolley, that's that's a shopping trolley. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Well, mate, you call an esky a a chili bin, so we've got to fucking ask these questions. Well, you know, we don't like to have a brand name on on our on our uh, you know kind of things we take to the beach, like a Hoover vacuum cleaner. It's a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and King King Lewis asked, uh, throw back to something you said earlier. Given the fact the Warriors' best years were when they signed Australian players like Price, Maloney, and Campo, why do you think Warriors keep going back to recruit Kiwi players from other clubs? Uh, well, as I was saying before, it's necessity. If you're going around there with an open checkbook and you're you're going up to all the best players and saying like, I will, I will literally you know set you up for for you know your next fifteen years for you and your family if you come to the Warriors and they go, I would love to stay on the Goldie Tanks and you go well I can't what what else can I do like it's a it's a recruitment strategy that 
Um, we're not we're not hoping to just single out New Zealand players, but certainly when you're not signing the top talent, you have to find a way to get the highest class player into to your environment as you can. And there are a lot of high quality New Zealand players in the NRL at the moment. Like Harris was a brilliant signing, I thought. Um, Listen, Armal was a very handy signing. Uh, Ignatius Parsi was a good signing. Like you know. We would love to sign high-quality Australian players and we would like a crack at the very best. But, you know, quite frankly, sometimes those stars, they don't align. And, um, you know, I think even even in the side that won the minor premiership in the early 2000s, you know, you know that had heaps of heaps of Kiwi players right through it. Stacey Jones, Namu, you know, there, no, not Namu, he was a bit earlier than that. But, you know, there was a lot of players were mostly from, from New Zealand in that side. There were a couple of really good Aussie players, yes. But um, there were also like probably like 70, 80% of, of those were, were local boys. So, um, yeah. My, in uh, short, it's a thing. Yeah. My, my, my favourite warrior of all time actually played in the 2002 Grand Final, Clinton Torpy. I, yeah, Torpedo. I absolutely love that guy. And I, I played basketball in New Zealand in 2004. And when we were uh, heading back to Australia... The, it was the same time the Kiwis were coming over to uh, play Australia and um, I got a photo with him. I've still got it at Dad's house. Um, mate, he was a sensational human. He was, yeah, some of the stuff he was doing in that year were like, yeah. you know, we kind of forget about it because he, he went on, he played, it, he, he played a bit for the Titans towards the end there and uh, he lost a bit of his pace. But uh, at that time, him, him and guys like Ali Lautiti and, yeah. you know, they were... They were something else, man. Logan, <laughs> Logan were, Swan? I loved Logan Swan. Yeah, man. Logan Swan was very good. Richie Blackmore. There was a lot of good guys in that team. A lot of good... Monty Beatham? Far out. Yeah. Nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The other guy that's actually in the system at the moment is... Um, there's there's a, a young rooster we signed last year. It's a bit of a quiet mid-year, mid-year signing. Um What's his name? Oh, yeah, we went for Curran, Adam Curran. He's, um, he played a couple of games towards the back end of the season. He's a big, rangy bloke with headgear, and um, I think we might see a bit more of him this season. He's um, one of those guys that, you know, over Twitter, I think, um, it was a bit of a quiet signing for us, maybe um, uh, more of a coverage thing, but um, I know a lot of Roosters fans were really, really pissed off that, that they lost him. Um, so Good. I saw enough last to kind of think that, um, you know, he he could be in for a bit more game time next year. And uh, in terms of Aussie talent that's come over, I'm I'm really hopeful that maybe he's going to be a guy that'll develop into into a really good player for us. But yeah, I look at the Southie boys, and this is why people listen to us. Momalo was 17 tries, was the only player in the top 50 try scorers for the Warriors. That's got to be a first ever. Yeah, he was doing it all, man. Like he's, you know, I think uh, in terms of if you had have looked at uh, the year before and gone like, you know, who's who's the who's the who's the player in the side that everybody's going to have in their super coach team? It probably wasn't going to be Ken Mamala, but um, he was he was just on fire last year and he was doing it all. You know, he played awesome for the Kiwis as well in the, in the recent tests. Um, he's improved out of sight. Like uh, I'm not quite sure what he's doing over there, but whatever it is, uh, I hope it keeps going because he's kind of that that player that we we lost when we lost Manu Batuve. Um, you know, he can get you out of trouble and inside your twenty, and he can also you know just smash through people close to the line. He's got good skill and good awareness of where that touch line is. Um, so yeah, him on one side and Pussy Tour on the other. Uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with that, but. Um, yeah, it's crazy that he had so much of the ball. It was it was really quite crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we... From a technical perspective, what's the name that frustrates you the most that us Aussies butcher? Oh man, there's there's quite a few of them, mate. That is a fucking great uh, question. But, that is well, a great there's, question. There's there's one there's one player in particular. I can't if we sign him. I can't I can't wait for everyone to cock it up. His last name is Fasua Maliawi. Oh. So he's a young player down at the Storm, Storm a nineteen yeah. year old, and I'm just I'm just waiting for Brett Finch to try and call it or Brayton Astor to try and call that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh look, uh, I, there's I think I think um, there's not a lot of the 
lot of the players that have super hard names, like the the thing is with the Maori and the, and the Islander names, the 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 words are all phonetic. So all you got to do is take your time and say say the sounds in your head quite slowly, and then string them all together. You know, the A, the E, the I, the O, the U is R, E, E, O, U, and then all the other letters are just like English. That's yeah. it. That's the, that's the only. That's the only lesson you need. So there you go. You can now, now you can say Fa'asua Maliaudi, your heart's content. Uh, We're going to call him Scotty. Yeah, well, yeah, or Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, speaking of that, I, I do remember your commentators though butchering Semi Rodriguez's name. That was the best. Yeah, our, our commentators in New Zealand. When you get the Sky Sports ones. We had Vossi for a little while, which was pretty fun. But now we have we have Daryl Halligan oh, and um, a guy called called Lama, I think his name is. Uh, but um, yeah, some of the calls on there, they're just like it's like watching Super League sometimes, you know, where they're just like just completely miss it. It goes to video ref, and they're just outraged. And then it was like that was that was completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, it's like that quite a lot. And Halligan sounds like he's got you know he's. Um, I don't know, reading off a different team sheet sometimes, some of the stuff he comes out with. Uh, we're, we're under 10 minutes to go. I'm getting the uh, the notification now. You got any other questions, Dan? No, that was it. I've got my stabs in. I've got, I've got one last question. Another New Zealand team in expansion, could it work? Uh, well, the short answer is, is yes in terms of uh, it depends what in, in which which way you're asking for. Is it to win a premiership? I think probably no. In terms of expanding the game, I think it's pretty smart. And in, uh, in terms of attracting talent and trying to grow the game within New Zealand, where we know there's uh, a lot of union players that are struggling for contracts and things like that, I think it's uh, from that point of view, it's it could work. I mean, in terms of winning a premiership, we can't get it right with the, with the one team that we've got. So I don't see how having another team in there is going to help that. But um, you know, there's a lot of teams who aren't getting that right, but and and they're losing money. So, um, yeah, look, I'd love to see a second team, but I don't think it'll happen. I think it's more likely that it'll go out to Perth or somewhere like that, which is frustrating for me because that's like the furthest away from Auckland you could possibly play. So, um, uh, yeah, that's that's a shock of a road trip. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think I think it could work for uh, for a, like growing the game reasons, but. Uh, in terms of will it be a contender or not, probably not. I think if it was to come in, it would need to go South Island, though, because there's a lot of talent around Canterbury. Um, That's right, yeah. Yeah, Lewis Brown, guys like that, they, they all came from Canterbury. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, uh, that's it. Thank you very much for your time, Anton. Uh, it's my pleasure, fellas. My pleasure. And, I, and just, just one one thing before I go, just on, yeah. for anyone listening who's in the areas um, affected by the bushfires, um, hang in there, guys. We're thinking of of, of you guys and everybody stay safe yeah no worries man thank you for that anything else you want to plug I'll be good that's it that's it you guys have a good one eh thank you fins up helmet moylan <laughs> <laughs> yeah boys